Welcome to Advantage Over, the podcast for the rugby referee community, or simply those in rugby who want to know more about refereeing. Are you ready? Time on. Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the Advantage Over podcast, the podcast from rugbyreferee.net for the rugby referee community and those in rugby who just want to keep an eye and ear on what's going on in the refereeing world. This is the second episode and we're really, really pleased with how many people contacted us after listening to episode one and the, the trailer episode, episode zero, and where we set the scene for what this podcast is all about. Um, it's been great to see those messages and those messages of support, so we're, we're very pleased that we can keep bringing this to you. Um, if you, this is new to you, then please do feel free to um, let us know what you think um, and to tell your referee colleagues, friends, your referee community, your federations, your societies, your associations that we're here and that we're here for your benefit. So we've got a great show lined up for you today and we're going to cover off some of the news that's happened in refereeing in the last couple of weeks and then later on we're bringing to you our first guest on the Advantage Over podcast, Rose Labrache, who is Canada's Referee of the Year um, for the last two years running and she's over in Ireland at the moment um, in Dublin um, as part of the match officials team for the Women's Rugby World Cup which if you're listening to this on Friday as we publish it um, kicked off a couple of days ago um, on Wednesday so we'll be bringing news of that but first let's go back a little bit further um, we had the Super Rugby Final the sort of climax of the Southern Hemisphere season um, and not without some co- controversy and perhaps a little bit of, su- bit of surprise um, about the appointment of Jaco Piper to the final. Not because anyone doubts that he is certainly um, in the top few um, referees in the Super Rugby pool, um, but because he wasn't deemed to be neutral. So the final between the South Africa's um, Lions and the New Zealand Cru- um, New Zealand's Crusaders team, um, the expectation with a, a side from South Africa and a side from New Zealand is that perhaps an Australian would be in the mix to referee the final to keep it neutral. Gus Gardner performing very well through the, through the series was was kind of in pole position and hadn't been. Um, uh, refer- hadn't refereed either of the two semi-finals. So many people were expecting Gus to be appointed there. Um, throughout the last. Uh, season, certainly last season and this season, um, S- uh, Sanzar have had a very clear and open policy um, of appointing the best referee for the game in front of them and, and not having a neutral system, what they call a merit system um, for Super Rugby. Um, and what they did um, very, very openly was that they appointed the best four referees over the season for the quarterfinals. So, Glenn Jackson, Angus Gardner, Marius van der Westhausen and Jaco Piper. Um, and then the best two for the semi-finals and then the best rated referee would get the final. Um, on, on, I think, most cards, whether there's coach involvement, whether it's the official cards of referee um, development and assessment, Jaco um, was the number one referee, so Jaco was given the game. But what that did do is it created all sorts of commentary in the build-up to the game um, about the neutrality issue, which um, is obviously a, a policy decision that Sanzar have. It's a very brave and bold policy. Um, and we shouldn't um, overlook the fact that all the match officials, if you're a referee out there listening, you will referee a game of rugby um, no matter who's put in front of you, whether you know the players, whether you don't know the players, whether it's a home club or whether it's not a home club, you will referee it to the best of your ability. We are a really in integral and we have integrity throughout the core of, of rugby. And as match officials, we all buy into that. So we shouldn't um, think of it as being a bias issue or an unbiased position. But it wasn't a surprise to, to many. Um, Sanzar have, were clear that they would do that right through last season when Glenn Jackson refereed last year's final with the New Zealand team in it. 
Um, so that policy continued this year. Um, and what a great game it, the final was, um, for those of you who um, perhaps saw it. Not without incident, um, there was obviously a red card incident um, where Quagga Smith um, of the Lions earned the first red card of the season. Um, always going to be described as a controversial decision, but if anyone's seen the clip, um, it's a, it's one of the clearest sorts of red cards a referee can give now. Um, with a, a high up and under kick chase, um, Quagga Smith didn't compete for the ball, went underneath the um, Crusaders player jumping in the air to collect the ball um, who then landed at the top of his back neck so um, in terms of the protocols that we're all working to in in that sort of incident um, it was a clear red card and the disciplinary process has already been held and and Smith was suspended for for four weeks for that offence so um, hopefully that didn't ruin the game as a spectacle I did see calls that um, referees shouldn't be issuing cards like that because it's a spectacle but I think that's perhaps another debate to be had on another time it was a clear decision to be made and, and obviously the right one um, was, was made there. So a good final um, and congratulations to all the players who played in that and obviously to the, the team of four um, who were involved from the, the officials' perspective. The other news that we've had um, in the last uh, two weeks um, is the expansion of the Pro 12 Celtic League um, into a Pro 14 um, Celtic League, um, incorporating two um, South African sides who've been um, who've come off the Super Rugby process as they slimmed down their operation, um, but what they have announced as part of that process is that um, in addition to the the the, the referee um, pool within the old Pro 12, they will now be adding um, the Southern Hem- uh, the South African Premier list to that pool as well. So the likes of um, we obviously talked about Yako Piper just just then. Um, so himself and fellow South Africans Egan Seconds, Rasta Rasavengi, Yako Van Herden, Marcus van der Vesselsen, and Quinton Immelman will be joining that Pro 14 pool of referees, which I think is a really good opportunity for everybody to learn from. Um, from each other to bring those other experienced officials into the Celtic League. So it'll be very interesting to see quite exactly how that is all going to work out, um, whether it will be kept on geographical basis. Um, I think that's still to be worked through. We are still waiting on news um, from the Celtic organisation of their new head of referees. Um, Ed Morrison retired earlier in the year um, and there's been a a global um, recruitment drive to replace him and that news we're expecting to come out um, hopefully before the next edition um, of the Advantage Over podcast. Sticking to South Africa, um, there's some really interesting um, comments put out this week from the South African president... South Africa rugby president, sorry, Mark Alexander. Um, they've had a, a number of high, relatively high-profile issues in South Africa of match officials being attacked and abused, um, particularly nasty one recently where a referee was knocked unconscious by a player after a match. Um, and that's driven Mr Alexander to make some, some I think, welcome, or we think so, some welcome remarks about how referees and match officials are treated in the game. Um South Africa rugby have publicly condemned antisocial behaviour against match officials, which is something I think we would all welcome. It's good that that's being reinforced at the very highest levels of of rugby, um, and it's really bringing through, uh, really bringing through the, the need for spectators, players, parents to respect the role of match officials in the dynamics of a game. Um, it's not easy to referee. We all, anyone listening to this, will know that. Um, we'll have had some. Um, encouragement or even up to abuse and um, hopefully nothing physical or nothing lasting from the sidelines um, and frankly it needs to stop um, so we need to um, know 
we need to realise and recognise that referees out there, whatever level um, of rugby they're involved in, they're out there. We are out there to do our best and to serve the game of rugby. Um, and that's what we all do, what we do, because we want to do that and we want to do that in the best way as we can. Um, so it's really quite welcome just to see the appointments there. And I think Mr Alexander has even called for um, anti-social behaviour and people who do abuse and assault referees um, to have criminal charges laid against them and be prosecuted. Um, Clearly that's something that's perhaps a step on from what we've seen so far, but there have been cases over time where people who have stepped too far have um, have had the force of the law um, come through them. So welcome move from Mr Alexander there, and it's good to see that point being made um, across the global port. And we, we've heard similar drives in, in other parts of the world um, to reinforce the, the point that referees are not there to be abused, and we obviously all welcome that. Hopefully um, we can see a reduction in that as as it's coming through so that is the the news from around the refereeing world at the moment um so we will transition across into an interview with rose labresh who joins us from dublin and tell us what it's like to be part of a an elite group of officials who are all together in tournament time please enjoy the interview with rose um, and let us know what you think um of the, the podcast whether we can improve what can we um, learn more from and what do you want to hear about who do you know out there in the refereeing world that you'd like to hear from let us let us know um, ref at advantage over podcast.com um, and, let, and let us know who the names of the people you want to hear from us so we've already got some interviews lined up um, for future editions covering important things from a refereeing perspective like fitness um, on psychology refereeing so we've got those lined up and ready to bring to you but what's what do you want to listen to you're a referee if you're listening to this podcast you're bound to be a referee or involved so what do you want to know about let us know and we can bring that to you so let's transition over to our interview with Rose Labreche. Rose Labreche, thank you very much for joining us on the Advantage Over podcast and actually for being our first guest. Um, you are in Ireland at the moment where you're part of the Women's World Cup, um, one of the assistant referees. Just a bit of background to make sure I've got this right. Um, you uh, started refereeing in 2008. Um, quickly getting through the Canadian system and heading heading on to the national panel in Canada in 2013. Quickly joining the World Rugby 7 circuit as well. And then obviously a highlight, I suspect, of your career so far, refereeing at the Rio Olympics last year. So how did you get into refereeing? What took you from, I guess, playing to refereeing? Tell us your story. Yeah, so thanks for having me on. Um, I picked up refereeing when I was in university my university coach suggested that I try it out because um, I had suffered a number of different injuries and I really wanted to remain involved in the game. So I took a course um, in my second or third year and then just started refereeing high school and quickly fell in love with it. I mean, the individual challenge is such a thrill and it's really you against yourself and how can you always best yourself in the next game. Um, and always trying to implement the things that you learned from the previous game into the next one. Uh, so I just kind of fell in love with that aspect. And then um, I played and refereed uh, for several years together and then um, unfortunately had another concussion that kind of put me out of playing for, uh, for the long term. So then took up the whistle full time in 2012. Great. And, and quickly, obviously, took off to go 2012 refereeing full-time well, full-time in terms of in the game I guess you're not a full-time referee no are you? I'm not sorry yeah that was confusing 
Um, I actually also work for the federal government in Canada for um, the Department of Public Safety. I was, I was going to ask about that, because looking at all the things, every time I, I switch on social, you're in another country, another sevens competition. How do you balance um, being a, a, full, a full-time employee as a, as a, as a worker and all, all your rugby as well? Very carefully. <laughs> um, I think the key is really about communication and kind of setting out uh, what it is that you do on the side. So in my world, um, rugby is on the side and my career comes first. Um, because that's where, um, I mean, that's where I, where I receive, uh, my full-time salary. So I have to put that Mm -hmm. and prioritize that, uh, first. So essentially with my manager, we just have a very open relationship and he's quite aware of the things that I do, uh, with rugby and he's very supportive of that fact. And it's just kind of bringing your, your bosses and your colleagues into, um, into your life a little bit so that they can understand, a, the really cool things that you get to do uh, through refereeing or through whatever else it is that you want to do, um, and B, ensuring that they're aware of how important it is as well on the national and international stage. So luckily for me, um, with the federal government, there is a provision in my uh, collective agreement that allows me to take time off for national, or sorry, for international appointments. Yeah, great. And obviously, having a, a supportive family and community around you is absolutely crucial to all that sort of things so we, we can't not have a conversation without talking about Rio um, obviously over a year ago how what do you ta- what are you still thinking about the being at the Olympics honestly it was the entire atmosphere uh, not only the atmosphere on the pitch with the crowd and um, just the organization of the entire event but also the atmosphere within the group of referees because I think that's really important to be in a in a true team so everyone that was there we really operated well together um we didn't really step on anybody's toes because especially when you're bringing in several different people from different nations um with different lifestyles it can be difficult to mesh well together but i think that's what we really overcame last year is that we were really able to um work well together on and off the field Great. I mean, it looked like an amazing tournament to be at and some, some great rugby and obviously putting sevens on the global scale um, and rugby back on the global scale, which I don't think it's been at um, f- for quite some time. So from Rio to Dublin, the Women's Rugby World Cup kicked off yesterday. Um, I saw that you were involved in two games yesterday, so you must be fairly tired today. Um, tell us about what it's like to be part of a referee squad at a, a camp like at a, a, a tournament like this, what's it like to be in camp? Who's who's in the camp? Yeah, so there's about fourteen referees and assistant referees, and then we have three television match officials, three performance reviewers. Uh, we have a referee manager. Um, we have strength and conditioning person. We have an analyst, um, and essentially we're all living together um, currently right now at the University College Dublin for three weeks so we're in Dublin for about 11 or 12 days and then we're heading on to Belfast and we literally do everything together so we'll eat meals together we'll train together um we do reviews of games together we prep for games together um there is a bit of downtime though in the evening so if you need a bit of alone time or you want to call the family that sort of thing that's always available but for the most part, we really are living together as a team and as a, as a family. 
and you've said this a few times, I think I may have done as well. So many referees out there will be operating on their own as part of their perhaps local society federation. What what best way do you think we can generate as individual referees back at the grassroots level? How do we collect that team ethic? What's the best thing we could do? I honestly think it starts with the individual and reaching out to your peers and colleagues and making those connections. Um maybe showing up to a game a little bit early so you can meet and see the referee who's refereeing prior to you or staying a little bit later and doing the same, meeting the person who's refereeing after you. Um, Attending uh, society meetings, uh, going to any social events, because I think it's really important to foster that positive and collegial environment. Great stuff, great advice. Um, So just back to the World Cup. This is, I think it's the first time they've now brought both men and female referees into one pool to officiate at this sort of level, which is, I think is really positive. With the, the moves that are being made there, do you feel like there's something bigger going on here? Do you think the women's game and women's refereeing is, is stepping up time after time? Yeah, I think uh, the guys that are here bring a lot to the table, to be honest. They have a lot of good experience. And for the rest of us who don't get to referee in pro leagues and that sort of thing, really get to draw from that experience. So um, I think it's been a really positive move and they're actually working very, very well with the rest of us because a lot of the women here know each other from the seventh circuit. So we already have a good grasp of um, who each other is and that sort of thing. But um, I think it's really working well in this environment. Um, as to it suggesting something bigger in the future, I'm, I honestly can't comment. I'm not quite sure. Great stuff. I mean, it's been really interesting to see the stuff that's coming out of World Rugby this week, integrity programs, everything that we, we saw from being involved in the World Cup in, in England a couple of years ago is now being reflective. And it's, it's the same tournament, just with different players playing in it, which is re- really great to see. Um, well, I did, did an interview that's going to come after you. So the next one the podcast that we put out will be around referee fitness. Um, I often see you talking about CrossFit. Um, is that for you? Is that your way of keeping fit outside of refereeing? Um, I think I'm in a, a bit of an anomaly with respect to that, just because um, I actually have three gym memberships. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I do have a CrossFit membership. I have a normal gym membership. And then I also have a yoga membership. I think I just really like the fitness aspect of refereeing. like And fitness in general. I don't think it actually only um, is related to refereeing. But I think in general for my lifestyle, it's just very important. I have a lot of extra energy and I like to get it out. So um, <laughs> CrossFit is certainly something that has complemented, I suppose, power and strength and that sort of thing. But I don't think that it's the only way to prepare or to um, physically get yourself ready for a game, for sure. Great stuff. Um, I know it's short of time because you've got training to get onto this morning. So a final thing for our listeners. Um, for anybody who's just getting started or is thinking about getting started of refereeing, what's the best advice you'd give to people out there? The best advice I could give to anybody listening, uh, particularly those who aren't refereeing yet, is to go out and try it. You'll never know if you like it until you try it, and I guarantee it would surprise a lot of people how much they actually enjoy refereeing. 
because I hear a lot of commentary on the sidelines. Oh, I could never do that. It doesn't seem like it would be for me, but I think you'd fall in love with the the challenge of it all once you actually give it a shot. Great stuff. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for um, sharing what it's like to be in the camp at the Women's Rugby World Cup. Um, all the best to you in the rest of the tournament and to the rest of the team there. Um, Given the best, we'll be watching wherever we are in the world. Um, so thank you for joining us, Rose Labresh. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Advantage Over podcast from RugbyReferee.net. We hope you've enjoyed the content that we brought to you this week. What we'd really appreciate is your likes, rates and reviews, wherever it is you found it, whether that's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or TuneIn. Please head over there and leave us a review. We really do appreciate those. Um, We'd also um, ask you to tell your referee colleagues, friends, community um, about this podcast This is the only Rugby Referee podcast out there, um, so we hope to get to more earbuds um, over time. We'd also love your feedback um, and your suggestions and your comments, so please let us have them. Um, You can either email us at ref at advantageoverpodcast.com or you can find us through the rugbyreferee.net website um, or through Twitter at rugbyrefereenet, which is the same handle you'll find on Instagram as well. We're in all those places, so please do let us know what you think, let us know what you want, um, and how we can help you become better referees in the future. So for now, that is Advantage Over.